Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Expert. This episode is a continuation of the conversation from our previous episode, where we welcome Julita Datus and Sadia Khan of Mbutu, mobilizing Central Alberta to discuss the Black Lives Matter movement in Central Alberta. Today, we welcome Teresa Cardinal to our discussion to provide some insight on how Indigenous people fit into the Black Lives Matter movement. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you all for coming on the show again for Saudi Angelita. And today we're also welcoming Teresa Cardinal. Teresa, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and the way that you've been involved with the, this movement? Uh, yeah, for sure. Hello, Tanse. Uh, Teresa Cardinal Natsikasan. Um, I'm, I'm coming to you from Red Deer. I live in Red Deer. I um, <clears throat> I would, would you want me to share a little bit about myself or uh, just uh, your involvement with the movement would be great I think people would love to hear that yeah okay so my involvement with the movement is um my my voice basically to share my own experiences as a Cree woman I'm originally from Satellite Cree Nation here in Alberta and I've been living in Red Deer now for uh, seven years. And I've worked in the community um, with uh, the Red Deer Native Friendship Society Agency. I'm, no, I'm currently not with them. Um, and I've been involved with the Red Feather Woman uh, Women's Group, which is an action group um, towards uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also involved with Red Ear Aboriginal Dance Troupe and sit on the board there. So my my voice and my experience comes from a place of being an Indigenous Cree woman and uh, uh, really sharing what I can. I've done a lot of public speaking in Red Deer and have been involved in various ways in that sense. and. Um, I really believe in, in social just, justice. I believe in uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I, I believe in uh, justice for, for all, right? And, mm -hmm. and right now, that's that's the big fight for everybody and who is experiencing injustices because of the color of their skin and what that's based on. So um, I was um, I was actually. Uh, referred by one of my my good friends uh, and I've worked with Sadia so they asked me to come and share and um, a few weekends ago in Red Deer I, I spoke and I also spoke in Innisfil so that's that's been been my involvement so far and um, basically just coming from a place of uh, growing up in Alberta growing up as an, an Indigenous person and, and recognizing and seeing the struggles that uh, we face as as brown people, black people. Yeah, and sharing my, my uh, story and my understanding and um, what I've learned as a social worker as well. Absolutely, well, and we're really excited to have your perspective join us today. I thought, our part one went really well there. And uh, every conversation I've had with Saudi, with Julita and other people in the movement is this conversation needs to keep going. 
and I figured part two is a good timing right now because we're starting to see uh, the message. I think it's still out there in the media, but it's not as strong as I say it was maybe two weeks ago. And every conversation I've had is talking about continuing that message and continuing this conversation. So I thought that's why this second part of this podcast would be really, really important here. Uh, maybe if I, maybe if uh, Saudi, you want to start off here, uh, maybe just kind of your perspective. We're a few weeks into it now. We've there's been several protests and peaceful protests in Central Alberta here. What have you seen? What have you? What do you? Uh, what have? You, what kind of growth have you seen in this movement? And do you feel like? that conversation is one that it's going to be a lasting conversation. Absolutely, Todd, it really is. And we started this kind of movement here in Red Deer and it just grew in central Alberta. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we have been approached, Ubuntu has been approached by Olds and, and by Spruce Grove and other organizations and, and communities as well that are saying, hey, um, can we work in collaboration together and can we make this happen in our community? And it is the community members of that community who are inviting us, who are saying this message needs to be heard and we need to talk about this in our community. So the communities are coming together collectively to, to raise their voice and, and to really amplify this message and to bring it home. So maybe Teresa, like you spoke at the Red Deer One here, you've been involved. Like, do you want to talk about that experience about being able to share your voice and your experiences with racism in this in central Alberta and also being able to hear other people's experience? What has that meant to you and what is what what is, what is your experience and what do you feel about that experience? Um, my experience at first was uh, it was like it's an emotional thing, right, to to go through and to get up there and and speak and share, but I've always been um, one to really support where I'm, I'm called to. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I really had to sit down and, and uh, go through the feelings of what, what was important, what did I want to, what, what did I want to say and share. Um, like everybody else, I, I, I'm on social media and I'm following um and seeing all these things and uh seeing george floyd's video and how that impacted me like watching that and seeing it again and how infuriating it it is and how sad and devastating it is that that these things are happening so uh, for me it was a process of of really looking at what what's going on like what why is this happening and it's it's always been that journey for me uh especially growing up Cree basically that's where it, it came from is looking at, at this this big big movement and saying where do I fit here because I know I want to uplift the voices of Black Lives Matter you know and that how important that was and then um, being requested and asked uh, to come and be involved as as an Indigenous person, you know, I ne never wanted to take any light away from the Black Lives Matter movement, but being embraced by the community and um, asked to share our voice has, has been really uh, like uh, like really um, touching and moving because for me I, I see all that they're all that 
all the experiences that they're going through and how they're being realized by police and you know just these really terrorizing things that are happening because of racism like it and it's like you know be it being in that and I, I wanted to come in and and really um support that not take away from that and bring mm -hmm. my voice so being embraced and and giving um indigenous people the platform to be there with them standing side by side uh fighting you know racism and and trying to dismantle these you know old ideologies and beliefs that are in this land right like it was such a it's such a like a a, th a compact thing that needs to be unpacked and packed and packed um for me like going through what did i want to say what and that was my first that's where i went is, is being there and, and showing like uh, from my perspective from somebody from this land saying like we embrace you and and we see you and and we want to support you you know we see what's happening and, and we're gonna we're gonna stand by you and I've seen that from my friends too, my my family members, and um, so that was my first thing was was really being there and showing up, you know, and and looking at at it that way. And then the next part is like seeing in the news, um, the the very next day or the ver the the day before I was to go and speak an indigenous woman um in new brunswick being murdered by the police um while they were doing a wellness check like and and knowing that this is happening to my people too right um and sharing that uh, and voicing that it's it's really hard I, um so bringing that forward, like our issues of, of this happening to us too in Canada regularly, like I've, I've been reading all the posts like in just the last three months, I think there was nine, nine Indigenous people who were murdered by police in Canada, like how, and, and that, bringing that to light, like that, that was something important to bring to light um, and just making people aware that like, because a lot of the time people aren't aware of these things. Um, and then going through the history of my own family, a residential school and how, how that's impacted us, you know, impacted us. And not just residential school, you know, 60 scoop, um, like the past agreements that they had on the reserves, like all these laws, like the the right to vote, like people are just so unaware of all all of these things that have happened to my people. You know, they believe we get everything for free. They believe this and they believe that. And I'm trying to unpack all these um, these these beliefs that people have about um, our First Nations people, and you know, going going through that process as a young woman and going into college and not understanding uh why things are the way they are why my family is struggling so bad you know why are my cousins in the system why in the child welfare system why is my why are my uncles in jail you know why why is my mom an addict you know i i've, I've shared 
my story about my mom is living on the streets and I'm, I'm raising my, my brother and how I have been impacted as, as a young woman, you know, and uncovering those things, are, they're very, very layered and people don't realize it and they make uh, these quick assumptions like, you know, um, and I work downtown in the, with the population of those who are on the street and, no, and knowing this is what they've gone through, you know, and, and how, uh, how severe the abuse, you know, systematic abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, you know, physical abuse, you name it, like my people have, have gone through it in the, in this country severe, severely and, and people like to, you know, write us off as another, another bum Indian or, or, and there's just, there's just so, so much Todd, right? Like, yeah. and I could, I could go on. And so I really, I really wanted to share what I could about about that and and my own experiences in my lifetime and um, you know my my beliefs of why why I am where I am like why do I why do I do the work that I do you know sitting on the dance troupe board is something I really believe in because revitalizing our culture is so important yeah because we, it was illegal at one time to practice our our culture you know it was against the law you know our our my grandmother and my family members had the culture beaten out of them. You know, yeah. they, there was laws against them gathering for in the community more than I think it was like three or four people. Like there's just, there's just so much negativity that has happened. And now we're trying to heal and we're trying to, uh, you know, do our best to uncover these things and heal our pain and at the same time um fight for equality you mm -hmm. know and and, so, and and that's hard sometimes because people are in denial like for example at the innisfil uh protest you have counter protesters like what are you not getting why aren't you learning why aren't you i had to go out and learn about my own self you know about my own community mm -hmm. about my own history and that was hard. It was it was painful for somebody who has to uncover all this and you know rise above to to uh, not be affected and not end up on the streets like my mom. You know, like like mm -hmm. this is a real real thing. Or you know, I I have been impacted personally by um, missing and murdered Indigenous women and and knowing that that our our uh, country needs an inquiry as to why why our women are going missing why you know it's it's just it's so there's so so many layers totally and um i believe in it and i and i get it and um i'm i'm trying to just do my part and show the community and these beautiful women that i'm so grateful to have um accepted me and and hear me and listen to me and be my friend and be my my ally and be my support be my sister they for me that that's like a it's such a beautiful thing that we can we can get there and, and just going out to these communities and meeting people and and sharing time with them and space with them where they want to learn like 
for me, it was like meeting that, meeting um, the guy with the rednecks against racism sign, Sadia. Like that was like mine. That was like that was a highlight. Like that was a yeah. highlight for me. That was, yeah, like, was a highlight. It was a good was, picture too. <laughs> yeah, and. It, you know and it's like little steps like that with i don't know like that that was and that's the hope that people who are benefiting you know settlers that have come to this country and their families that are are benefiting highly from this land based on their skin color and not knowing why things are such a divide coming together and learning and, and supporting like so yeah, <laughs> I could go on and on and on. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. I very much appreciate you coming to share your perspective and your experience on this show today. Uh, maybe, Jolita, Teresa was talking about education there. You work in this field every day. You hear these stories every day. So, But do you want to talk about maybe the things that you've learned over the last few weeks from hearing stories like Teresa's and other speakers that you've, like, what have what have you gained from that experience and what have you gained from hearing these stories and these experiences from the people that have shared the stage with you? I think I have learned that the work must continue. Mm -hmm. there, that it's never done. And so, um, so every town or city that we've gone to, we learn something new and we meet new people and we take that on to the next town. And we realize that no matter how much work we do, no, no matter how much we speak, that there will always be work to be done. Um, and I say that because in each of these towns, you hear so many different stories. Yeah. And people who showed up to the first event were still kind of on the fence about this. And by the third event where they followed us, it's like, okay, I get it now. Um, so stories like that to, to, to me, and I, I think it's the same for Sadia, is what will push us to continue to go forward because we recognize um, the need for the work to, to be done. And standing beside people like Sadia and, and Teresa, it gives me so much hope. Like it's, it's literally what, I, what wakes me up in the morning because I'm looking at all these amazing people that I'm surrounded with and just all of us saying, okay, we're going to come together and we're going to speak on this. So many different stories, so many different experiences, and we all look different, but we have these shared experiences that gives value to what we say. And there's nothing like solidarity, like absolutely nothing like solidarity because the work can't be done alone. And I recognize that I need each and every single one of them. So when we stand together on a stage, on a platform, or speaking to the media, we're, we're standing as one with many different, with different voices. And then people get to hear all of those stories. They get to hear our experiences, and they get to hear the action calls from each and every one of us. And I think it helps to propel um, the work forward. So that's what gets me going. Absolutely. And I also want to jump off something else Teresa mentioned about the counter protesters in Isfel. Um, this really, it was a moment that really struck me in the Lacombe when one of those individuals from Innisfil was hiding in the bushes filming in Lacombe. 
and when you were speaking, you spoke directly to him for several moments about these experiences. And I was, I thought it was a very powerful moment, but at no point did I ever feel like that situation was going to turn dangerous or violent. And then I noticed that you went and addressed him afterwards as well too. And I really, I want, I, maybe I just want you guys to expand on your experiences with counterperture and how important it is to address those kind of tense moments with, with, with power, but also with poise and with peace. And I really, you maybe want to talk about not maybe, maybe a little bit directly about that, but also indirectly about dealing with people who don't see it the way you do yet. Um. Sure, I can start. You know, by Todd, it's about holding our space and it's about knowing what we're there for and really centering our message and, and, and not raising voice over each other and, and not losing the message in raising our voices. Um, so it's really important for us to listen. We believe in meeting people where they're at and, and just starting the conversation because there's so many commonalities that we have as human beings and, and just starting from there. And this individual that you're speaking about, um, you know, it goes to show the work that we have been doing. It is moving, you know, we are doing the good work. And when we have this individual coming to another uh, protest and rally in an event that we planned in Lacombe to show up there and, and, and to really apologize and Jalika can and expand on that as well. But for us, that, that shows success. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm still a bit shocked that it happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's uh, and we talk about it every, yeah. every, every time we meet because it's, it's so shocking. Um, that it happened and I chose when I was speaking I chose to address him because I felt the need to take to take the space right to control the narrative and say hey we see you we acknowledge you but you're in our space we're going to be respectful but we're not going to silence our voices um, I could have chosen to say something else or to be demeaning but that's not who we are we're mm -hmm. here for conversation and I think that's also part of what has enabled us to continue to do the work where people recognize that we know the value of our work. And so we don't have to use horrible language to get our message across. Yeah. And so after the event, he actually came over, apologized and said, you know, I like the message that you all are putting out there. I, and, and, he so he still believes in all lives matter because for a lot of people right it's semantics it's it's wording and all of that but for him to come to Lacombe apologize be present is yeah. one of the biggest takeaways for me and I hope that he continues to show up to more events just so that we can continue the conversation and I it, it was a humbling moment for me because I think a lot of times I'm expecting people to be exactly who they've always been without yeah. giving grace or the benefit of changing. And so that was a reality check to me that people, people are evolving as well and to allow them the space to, to evolve. And so that is still one of the most memorable moments for me. And the fact that it happened in Lacombe, 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and to support them while they're evolving, when they're having these questions, when they're showing up to these events, um, they're curious, they want to know more. So it's really important for us, the work that, that we do is to meet at that space and hold that space and say, okay, um, let's have this conversation and we'll continue to keep having these conversations. And I think one of the points that he had mentioned that really got him at the um, Lacombe event was the fact that we were talking about missing and murdered Indigenous women and we had um, someone there who was Indigenous and he was like, oh, this isn't what I really expected. I thought it was just about Black lives um, matter and we're like no the message black lives matter has never been exclusive of other people it has simply been centering to remind people that all lives matter and so i think that was um a pivotal moment for him when he listened to the speeches that were being made and you had so many different people talking about their experiences and so he was able to um to meet us halfway to the point there. So I'm happy. Absolutely. And it seems like there's always at events, there's these linchpin kind of moments here. And there was another one that involved that individual. And I, me and Sadia talked about this afterwards, where one of the other peaceful protesters there went and stared him down for several, like it felt like hours, but it was probably a few minutes there. <laughs> but it was really intense. And it's like people, they were in each other's space and nothing ended up violently happened, but it was just one of those moments. And me and Saudia spoke afterwards where we talked about how if this was maybe in a different place, or if it was a different reporter covering that, that interaction would be the only thing that would show up in the media is these two, this white, these two white faces staring each other down, right? And I, I feel, and me and Saudia spoke about like, that wasn't the message of the day. And it's, I obviously didn't put it into my newspaper, but it was, it was a bigger, I think it just strikes on a bigger conversation on what the media maybe misses sometimes is when they cover protests, they see, they see the, the edges of it, they see the more difficult moments and they miss the bigger message. You want to maybe want to talk about how you feel the media has responded to the peaceful protests in central Alberta. Do you feel like the message that you guys have wanted to share? And we can leave out my, my personal writings on it but just like do you feel like the message that you want out there do you think that's getting across and do you think the media has been doing a good job because I know in lots of other jurisdictions they haven't they, they've been covering broken windows and that kind of stuff but for me personally I will engage with the media and I will always say do justice do your part you're here to cover so cover the right story um put the speakers in front and center the voices that are here and the message as well so don't take away from that just because um another um something may be happening on the sideline or to the side not to focus on that just to get more people engaged so social media has a huge part to play in this where they have to do their part the right way i think um I have an interesting relationship with the media. <laughs> Love you, Todd. You're my favorite. <laughs> okay, you're one of my favorite because there, there are, I, there's a few. Um, Central Alberta writers have done, I think, justice for, for a lot. Um, 
you all have helped to 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 sort of push um, the message and get the message out there. But I find in dealing with um, media that's outside of central Alberta, um, national, the national media, it's a bit more difficult. And I think it's because they're trying to extract exactly from the story what their focus is. Yeah. And, um, and, and with, with our event, we're we're very we're very broad well we're back we had some uh some zoom related technical issues there but uh thank you for staying on and uh yeah we can continue our conversation there we were touching on uh some local media coverage there maybe if we kind of want to move on to national media and i and international i would say i would say there's still talk about the black lives matter movement but i would say it's the news, the mainstream media has beginning to move on to their next cycle. I think part of that is uh, just the way that mainstream media works. And I think they are always looking for the next thing. But I also think it's because there is 50,000 new cases of coronavirus every day in the States every day. And that is also a big issue right now. So I think there's multiple things playing into that. But I guess with without this mainstream attention, how do you guys continue how do you guys continue delivering these messages how do you keep the conversation alive when cnn when cbc when ctv have all moving on to the next thing um i think for the most part social social media has been a huge has played a huge role in making sure that the message um, continues so Instagram Facebook YouTube Twitter like every day people are still saying say her name Brianna Taylor right continuing every single day to remind people we didn't forget and um, social media has also played a role in redirecting um, a lot of the conversation as well so a lot of companies and corporations and organizations have put out a lot of statements and the media would tend to focus on those and social media is like this is not what we asked for this is what we asked for and so social media has this this ability to redirect the conversation which i appreciate um as well as to hold people accountable where they go back and say you said this two weeks ago we need to see what's happening now and I think the media assumes that this is something that we're going to let die. That's not going to happen. Um, we're in the process of planning uh, a vigil for um, the women who have been affected most by the Black Lives Matter movement, I guess, um, because a lot of us know the names of, of the men. We know George Floyd, we know Tamir Rice, we know Trayvon Martin, we know Mike Brown, but very few people will say um, Breonna Taylor. Very few people will talk about Priscilla. Very few people will talk about Regis, right? So we're going to bring all of that back. So we're not here for two weeks or a month we're here to carry it forward mm -hmm. and and we will also be putting that together with the missing and murdered indigenous women because i think it's something that canada needs to be reminded of every single hour every second of every day like we're not going to allow the conversation to die it's going to be con uh, it's going to be continued um and we're going to look at different aspects of the movement so the media may move on but we will continue the conversation and they will be forced to come back and ask us questions again because we'll be present absolutely and maybe 
Teresa, I'm sure you're uh, aware of the Idle No, Idle no More movement of several years ago. The, and the issues that in the Indigenous community we're talking about today are the same ones. They're missing and murdered Indigenous women, the trauma of residential schools. There are all these things. How do you ensure that the messages that uh, the experience of Indigenous people, how do you continue your, how do you feel that you continue to educate people and learn about these experiences of Indigenous people in Canada? For me, it's a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was just yesterday, the news reported that the Supreme Court has uh, basically told, uh, I don't know, the, the First Nation people in BC about the Trans-Canada uh, Pipeline, I believe it is. I, and those issues are still impacting us and we're still being denied our, our, our own right to the land. There, there's, there's such big issues that, that are being fought out there for. For me, I know my voice is, is small, but it's mighty. And I, I'm just trying to do my part still and, and show up like I, I'm, I'm I'm educating myself every day on on what what's happening. Um, but yeah, like they're missing they're missing the point a lot of the time. And like Duolita said, it it's it's really about the grassroots movement, the the people that are going to be holding our nation and our communities accountable for what's happening and what we're needing, what we're seeing, and how. The change needs to happen. The, we need a we need to um, demand that change happens. Our our calls to action. We need to be signing our petitions. We need to be getting out there protesting. You know, for for Central Alberta, I don't think there's um, a bigger a big big movement in terms of um, the I don't know more or the the land back movement that a lot of our our communities are doing, um, I find that um, maybe in the past few years there there was a bit of protests that have happened in Central Alberta, but um, recently I I I'm not seeing it mm -hmm. um, or you know it's very brief in the news that they will show um articles based on that and for me what i've observed in central alberta is you know where it's really known for being the oil the oil province right so a lot of a lot of the issues based around um pipelines and missing and murdered indigenous women they're 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 very correlated to to the land you know in, in my research and understanding of, of Mother Earth and his historical trauma that has happened is, what is it called? I'm, I'm gonna blank out here for a second, but, oh my gosh. The research shows that um, man camps, oil man camps, there have, has been several women who have gone missing around these man camps. 
um, as a First Nation woman and, and learning from elders and community leaders, we have a big belief in the land and how we're connected to Mother Nature and all of this um, extracting resources from the land connects with um, the the murders of our women it, it's it's correlated in a big way and i don't think a lot of people understand how how deep rooted it is spiritually to our people that um we we aren't heard our our messages aren't aren't heard you know um it's just take, 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 right? And we're gonna build this and we're gonna take this, we're, we're gonna extract this. And I don't think across the province, that's not seen, you know, that's not important, right? What's important to um, our government is making money, you know, what's important to, um, is bringing in this revenue right and and that's that's such a like that's such a big thing to fight because you know money makes the you know makes the economy run so for me i think it's just really learning about that and uplifting the voices because we there's so many people that are on the front lines doing the work for me i i can't personally speak for that like being out there on the front lines but i am following the movement just you know it's sad it, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a really sad thing and yeah that's kind of where where i'm at with, with, with that absolutely well and i, I think they move on time but we'll keep bringing them back yeah we'll, we'll keep bringing it back <laughs> absolutely. and you and i think you bring up a, a really important point with governments having fair deal dealings with communities of color and honest and open and transparent and particularly perhaps with the government of Canada there's a long history of trauma inflicted by the government of Canada onto particularly indigenous people in Canada but all communities of color there I think it's I, I just want to maybe touch on how you guys have feel how how important is gaining governmental support and also educating government on these issues here. I know there's been some government representation at the recent protests. I know in Black Falls, the mayor and council were present and I believe the mayor spoke at that one. There, I saw a few councillors at the Lacombe one. I have yet to see too many uh, local MLAs at these, which is maybe, maybe unsurprising, but I'm, do you maybe wanna talk about how important it is to forge honest and transparent relationships with government in order to move forward with these movements maybe saudi if you want to start on that one absolutely todd and what i'll start with the governments are not used to us the bipocs coming together as a collective in a solidarity and and speaking on the same message they are very much comfortable when we're working in our silos when the immigrant and refugees are on their own and the black community and the indigenous community right because then it's very easy to say oh well you know what it's not the uh, oppressions olympics over here right so what are you all fighting for 
But now what this movement has done is it's brought us together as a collective. Even the three women that are speaking to you today, we are of different races as well. But we're coming together and our liberation is really in a collective message, right? And what does that look like? And that looks like speaking um, at the same platforms and, and talking to each other and engaging each other and saying, you know what, one is not without the other right now. And as Teresa said, it is not to say um, that, you know, what's happening with the Indigenous community is not important, but right now it's the Black Lives Matter movement that needs our attention. And, and this is why we're working together and saying, hey, you know what, we need to make sure that the Indigenous representation is happening, especially for Ubuntu, especially for us when we're organizing these events, that we're standing in solidarity and side by side by each other. And, and this is where the governments cannot ignore us, because we're going to come together as a force, not as one or not as individuals. Yeah, I think with the government, um, I've seen a tad bit of progress towards progress, so I'm going to give them, you know, half of a clap. <laughs> half a cookie. Half a cookie. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, recently, the federal government has put out um, uh, grants that they're, that they're looking for, um, organizations that's led by people of color, I think more specifically black women, I believe. So that's that's a step. And and I think for a lot of the people in, in the black community, we're saying, okay, we'll take this, but we would also like for you to also focus on missing and murdered indigenous women. Like we want to know that inquiry that happened that went to the United Nations and all of that, we also want that to be resolved. So we'll take the money, we'll take the grant, but, but we're still gonna ask these questions. And I think, um, like Sadia said, we're, we're, we're no longer working in silos. We're amplifying each other's voices. And so many of my friends from the indigenous communities will call and say, hey, have you seen this? And, and um, when I have certain things, I'll be like, hey, have you seen this? So we're, we're, we're using a, a method of communication where we're keeping each other, um, we're keeping each other on the front lines and we're, we're amplifying each other's issues and problems. So whenever I'm speaking to media, these are the questions that I will bring up. I'm going to force you to answer and force you to cover missing and murdered indigenous women. Um, Provincial government, so far, I have not seen as much put forward in terms of how they would like to proceed. I don't know if they've um, sort of given grants the way the federal government has. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of pushback from the provincial government in terms of is there or is there not systemic racism in Alberta specifically? So I'm reserving their cookie until they acknowledge that. <laughs> um, and with with local representation, I haven't heard from my MLAs in support for or even to enter the conversation. So I see a lot of people who are remaining, who have chosen to remain silent. And it's not just a politician, but a lot of the churches and faith-based organizations have also chosen to remain silent. And to me, if you're not speaking with me, if you're not speaking for me, then that tells me that you're speaking against me. 
So I would like for um, the government to hear us, include us, and then support us. Because I think part of the, the issue is also we're not represented at those tables. So we shouldn't have to be out here protesting to say, to say, listen to us. There should be people around the table doing that on our behalf, which is why we have elected officials, right? But when you look at the general makeup of a lot of our leaders, they do not look like us, yep. right? So when decisions are made, when statements are made, it's made without us in mind. Like I wish there were five Teresa Cardinals in Edmonton at the ledge, right? Like I wish that there were 10 Sadias um, in Ottawa speaking on, 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 on those issues. I wish there was like three of me. So then we wouldn't have to be out here in the hot sun protesting and crying and begging, you know, to bring these issues to light. So I think for me, I would like to see the next um, provincial and federal and municipal elections more representation more representation, representation from the people, for the people, and by the people. So that's what I would like to see from the government. Like, kudos to them for the grants, kudos to them for making statements, but now to really make that effort to for representation, bring us to the table and give us the funding so that we can do um, the work at the grassroots level. And, and Teresa can, and myself, we can add to this as well, is that the city of Red Deer has put out a blanket statement. It's very much lip service. We're past the lip service, but we're, we're holding the city of Red Deer accountable. And we're saying, we, this is not going to work anymore. When you put out a statement like this after three weeks, while we were protesting at your doorsteps, and now you have no choice but to put out this statement, well, we're going to come back at you, and we're going to hold you accountable accountable and we're going to come up with action items yeah. as well so we have a petition going where we're asking um, you know city of Red Deer folks say you need to sign this and let's hold our government and elected officials accountable as well yeah. a huge a huge thing too just to mention um, in recent news is Jason Kenney in his speech um, I don't know if you if you if you've seen that and what the writer um, had said about residential schools. Each writer, yeah. 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 yeah that was Have you, Paul Bunner, I believe his name was. And is, yeah. Yeah. He has yet to be yeah. let go of that position, but there seems to be quite a bit of pressure on the premier to let go of that speechwriter, even with from within his own party. So. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting that the Edmonton Eskimos had an issue over the weekend which was re resolved in less than 24 hours. Like they had an issue with one of their players who made a statement um, um, towards the LGBTQ2S plus community and the person got called out. And within 24 hours, the Edmonton Eskimos released a statement and said, this is the action that we're taking against this player. This is how we're going to work with this situation. And yet we're still here waiting for our premier to do something about his speechwriter. Like I, I think it's, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. It's like, what does it take, you know, to infiltrate that, that big system? You know, it's, there's so much deep-rooted systematic racism within our government itself. 
that they need to uncover and unpack that I, it, it's hard to change a system from the outside in, you know, and it's in those spaces with those people that are needing to step up in and hold their, um, their, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, frust it's frustrating because we we're not in there you know and it and it's it's at those tables that that it needs to happen and and who who's making that that change who's who's speaking up in there because you know i i would even think it would be it would be hard to to, to speak up um you know you never know how you're going to be impacted that way or how you know, it's just it's uh yeah it's a lot of work that needs to be done. Didn't Jason Kenny say he just writes the speeches and I just read them? them for me? <laughs> okay. Like, are you justifying? Like, what, like, not what to the message or um, what is going on? Well, and that's such, like, to, to add to what Teresa said, it's such, it's such a poisonous thing to have where you have someone of that caliber in that position with those beliefs. Because that's how you have myths and, 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 and people sort of look at us and say, well, that didn't really happen. Because you have people in those positions who, who continue to perpetuate those falsehoods. And that's why we have to hold people accountable because um, you can't allow these things to happen. You can't allow them to continue. Yeah, and I also think you mentioned that the case of the Edmonton Eskimos releasing that player. I, I also think that actions need to be non-performative as well too and i i'm i'm happy to hear that the Edmonton Eskimos did release them but i also believe that particular football team could also make a giant statement towards inclusivity by changing their name and i, I tweeted that on I, like that was the first thing i said to them on um when they released the statement i was like you know what if you're going to make this, if you're going to take this drastic step, then make all the changes and, and, and be right and do right. And I think um, even further that they decided to hold um, today, there was, a, I guess, a conference, a meeting with members of the LGBTQ2S+. I believe the Edmonton was and the player. So there is some, some sort of reconciliation that's happening there. So the work continues to be done. So he understands why it was wrong. Good step. Now change your name and change your look. Can't get a step further. <laughs> I, totally I, I just kind of want to start wrapping things up here, but I just kind of want maybe one at a time your opinion on since the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department and everything that's happened since, are you guys hopeful that real change can happen now? Do you see it happening? Do you feel more hopeful than you had were before that? Like maybe if Teresa, you want to start. Um, I'm very hopeful. I'm always hopeful. I, I, I hope that I can continue and do this work. It, it can be very hard sometimes. Um, for me, like emotionally, it, it takes a toll, right? So I just hope that everybody who is doing work is taking care of themselves and taking time for themselves to, to do the work that they need to, to show up because it's, it's very hard work. Uh, for me, just watching over the past uh, couple months, I guess now, 
I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of the people in, in America and, and how aggressive they've been with their movement. You know, they, they've really, and, and it's, it's tragic. It's, it's sad that, um, how the police responded with military force at times, but they, they're, they're so, there's, there, there's no unrest. Like they're, they're, they're fighting so, so hard. And for me, um, is that what it's going to take for Canada? They do, we need to put that kind of pressure, you know, for me, I don't want to be in that space, you know, it, it's, it's very scary, mm -hmm. but it, just how they have held their states accountable, their, their governments, you know, they, they've just really, they pushed so hard, they're pushing so hard every day, as we are here, but I'm just like, in comparison like they're they're just they're so done right like they're they want this change they're they're pushing for laws to be changed they're pushing to defund police they're pushing to um hold these um these officers accountable you know like they're not get letting get off anymore it's it's just it's just so there's just so much uh, conflict right now, and I'm just I'm just amazed to be watching this happen because you know seeing all the statues come down of all these Confederate leaders like there's just there's just so much like every day and I'm just like wow like it's it's amazing like how hard they're pushing and it's like do we need to do that now is it is it is it time do we need to be you know I, I don't I don't know for me that but um, just to be a part of this movement here in Central Alberta I'm I'm really grateful and um, I'm gonna continue to support and and be there when I can um, you know but yeah that that's kind of where I'm at it, watching how how much pressure they put I've I've really been following Sean King a lot in their grassroots law movement and and, and that's really um, just really intrigued me and in, in how much um, how how his voice is is so big and and he he has created this movement with with his community across America you know they they have that backing of lawyers they have people on the ground they have you know they they're in solidarity doing doing this big big work because it's so severe right like it's 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 uh so yeah for me I I see it I see beautiful things happening I'm grateful to be a part of the movement here I'm grateful for uh Nbutu and all 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 the work being done but yeah just in my thought process I'm like is that what it's gonna take for us you know do we have to push that hard because I'm done too I'm, I'm done worrying about my child's future you know like it's it's scary yeah and yeah that's kind of where I'm at maybe Sadia you want to take the next word here 
Well, you know, of course, hopeful, because we have to be hopeful. If we lose hope, then how do we continue this work? So um, absolutely, we take care of each other. We call each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've been in communities where uh, the community would have never thought that something like this would take place. Who would have thought in Innisfail? Um, I don't know, over two, three hundred people would have showed up, mm -hmm. right? Um, or in community like Lacombe or in Olds that we're at. So that's what keeps us hopeful. Um, mm -hmm. We don't want this movement to be just a news cycle. We're here for the long term. This is uh, the work that is kind of above the surface and we're going to go deeper into these conversations. So I'm hopeful to connect with the municipalities, with local communities and engage in those conversations and come back to them in a few months and say hey okay so there was a protest that was held in your community let's have the deeper conversation so um, yeah we will continue on the basis of hope and by creating that change in solidarity uh, I'm hopeful as well <laughs> <laughs> the way she says that <laughs> uh, journey is going to be long and hard right like I, I'm optimistic but I'm also realistic about what to expect and I think <clears throat> going back to what Teresa said earlier with how will it look in Canada like how how will this movement continue to impact in Canada and um, I think I think we're just starting and I think we will continue <clears throat> and and I've seen, I, I, one of the things that keeps me going as well is seeing all the art that is coming out of this, all of the, out of the movement. And so many of them are depicting indigenous and black people together. And it just makes me so happy because um, one of my Native American friends said, okay, you all pull down the statues and then come and have ceremonies with us. <laughs> right? And then they'll share their bannock with us. So I think it's so, it's such a good thing um, to recognize each other's strengths. Right? Like if you have to do this, you go do this and then come over here and we'll do this. Like it's, it's, it's such, it's such an amazing an emotional experience at the same time because we are being brought together due to trauma, yeah. mm -hmm. collective trauma, and and so it's 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 a good thing, but at the same time, it's 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 a horrible thing to know that we are being brought together collectively due to trauma that's that's being. Um, perpetuated to to our communities so i'm hopeful i'm optimistic but i know that we will need food and water for the journey yes uh, and gas and gas <laughs> and and each other and i think the fact like riding with sadia is 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 good so long trips and and teresa will bring the bannock yep and <laughs> and so yeah. And, and we'll do our healing in our car. Yeah. We will heal together by this collective trauma that, that we have experienced and we will continue. So the healing part, we will do it collectively. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my, yeah, that's my go-to thing. Another, another thing that I want to mention, um, I've been a part of a Red Feather Woman group here in Red Deer for um, about five years now, I think. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but when Christy Belcourt had her um, Walking with Our Sisters exhibit mm -hmm. going around across Canada, 
a group of women had come together and uh, we we work around the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women here in central Alberta and we're action group and I'm really lucky that I get to meet with them too and and we have these discussions too in in, uh, in circle and um, and what does it look like for us uh, as a as a, a women's group an action group and one thing that was really, you know, um, profound that I, I left with in our last circle was um, class actions happening now. Like, I think it's time for the families of missing and murdered Indigenous women to do what the residential school survivors have done mm -hmm. and um, filing cl class action lawsuits against our governments. Like it's time for these big, big, bold steps to be happening from um, our marginalized population and these huge issues that aren't being taken serious. Um, I, I think it's time for us to step up and, and, and go that way because it's not happening, right? So it's, it's time to, to make big moves like that and leaving that that meeting that night that i think you know in my in my mind what what else can we do like that because we need we need more change we need to pressure our governments we need to we need to be doing these big things and and coming together in solidarity to to take action against injustice so yeah that's just something that i i really wanted to mention um as well absolutely we really appreciate you sharing that uh, i'm just gonna kind of say one more thing on this i i am also hopeful but i think it's really important for people that are white males and have the privilege that i do to not just be hopeful and think that we've made enough progress on these issues i think it's i think it's easy from the place that i come from to think oh i'm doing enough i'm doing enough and then i would I just want to tell, I was listening to a podcast the other day and Kenny Smith, who played for the Houston Rockets in the 90s, he was talking to Bill Simmons and he talked about how when I was playing and he's currently on TNT as an analyst, when I'm, he's always aware of what he is doing and how that affects the white community. And that's not the same for analysts or basketball players in the opposite. They don't always think about how their actions affect people of color in their communities. And I think it's really important for people with the privilege that I have to always keep in mind that you can't get complacent whether you're doing or think that you're doing enough because I think that's when progress stalls. I think that's when it stops. And that's when you're talking, we talked about last time being a good accomplice. I think that's when being a good accomplice stops when we feel like we have done enough. I think even if we lived in a perfect society, stopping trying to improve means that society is no longer perfect. And so, I really hope people listening that come from the same position as I do realize that this doesn't stop and being a partner and a good human doesn't stop and supporting communities of color has to continue. And with that, I just want to say thank you to all of you for coming on. And I really have appreciated this continued conversation we're having. And well, we will definitely do it again one day. And yes, thank you all from the bottom of my heart for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aww, thank you to all of us. Thank you. <laughs>
The Expert is a production of Black Press Media Prairie Division and is produced and hosted by Lacombe Express editor Todd Vaughn. Our podcast is produced with the help of Anchor.fm and is distributed on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please like, subscribe, write reviews, and share this podcast if you like what you hear. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email todd.vaughn at lacombexpress.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.